on your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors. We're going to dig into the Raptors losing to the Pacers without Tyrese Halliburton. That's really all I can say about it. We'll talk about where the Raptors left this one on the table. A potential Jakob Hurdle-related complication for the Raptors, plus the good, the bad, and the whom. We'll do it all with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic. It's all coming up today. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1366 of locked on raptors for thursday march the 23rd i'm your host sean woodley i've been covering the toronto raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms you can find all of my work over on twitter at woodley sean and you can go and follow the brand new locked on raptors instagram account as we try to migrate a lot of stuff over from elon musk's hell pit to a different hell pit of someone else's creation uh go follow locked on raptors on instagram little clips and stuff of the show that you'll catch in your little timeline there it's much appreciated uh i happened to lock myself out of the account for a week because i was doing too much suspicious activity which was just following accounts but anyway i'll be back up and running and posting stuff in a week's time unless they take the 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 handcuffs off before then either way locked on raptors on instagram please go do that you can also subscribe to the show for free on your favorite podcast apps or on youtube so you never miss an episode please go ahead and do that it costs no money to support the show and uh you get you earn a friend for life in this guy right here all right, let's get to it. Today's show is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? Well, this game is for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebasketballgm.com and look it up on the app stores as well. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, in the game. All right, let's get to it. Raptors losing to the... Ugh. <laughs> I can't even say it. You lose to the Indiana Pacers without Tyrese Halliburton. Yes, I know. No Gary Trent Jr., no Scotty Barnes, no Precious Achua. All of their losses, I think, felt in varying degrees in this one. We'll get to Precious, actually, and why I thought he would have been a very nice piece to have on hand for this game when you consider some of the struggles Jakob Pertle had on one end of this game. Uh, well, uh, yeah, there's a lot to dig into here. Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic is here. Big takeaways first, Jamar, uh, this felt like a game where every opportunity was given to the Raptors to take it later late in the late going, and yeah. yet they just refused to put this one away. And then, of course, Andrew Nembhard, in front of his uh, his family and friends, puts him to bed. What were your overall impressions of this game, which the Raptors just simply could not take care of themselves and uh, do the very minor things that seemed to need to be done to pull this one out? Well, they started, and this has been a trend, they've started brutal defensively. Mm -hmm. uh, Indiana shot 75% in the first quarter. Uh, you mentioned Nemhard. He just had open lane after open lane. Guys were a step slow. You just drive to the rim. He did a beautiful job of setting up Miles Turner, uh, some rolling to the basket. Mm -hmm. uh, that was to begin the game and to end the game. Obviously, he had that beautiful step back dagger three. That, that was crazy. And 
the Raptors was one of those games where they just couldn't buy a shot from deep. Mm-hmm. Will, Will Barton uh, specifically, but then they, you know, subbed him out and uh, he actually went with your boy Malachi Flynn down the stretch. <laughs> My boy, uh, he, was, man, yeah. he looked good. <laughs> he did. He did. He made some. Yeah. He made some big threes. Gave the Raptors the lead, and then everything kind of fell apart after that. Uh, they couldn't buy a basket. They couldn't buy a free throw. Uh, Is yeah. Th- you got swept by the Indiana Pacers. Well, I mean, what else is there to say? This is the first time, this is the first regular season game that Indiana has won in Toronto in 10 years. Yeah, it's crazy. It's been that long. Yeah. So it's not a lot I, to say. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the three-point shooting, like just a lot of low-hanging fruit in this game that was yeah. not taken. Wide open threes in the corner for OG Ananobi twice in the fourth quarter. That's yeah. his shot. They were talking about it on the broadcast, you know, just bigging him up. The best quarter, one of the best quarter shooters in the league. Yeah, he's been on fire lately. He's yeah, been on he's fire been, lately, look, but just not this yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, you can't get too upset, I suppose, mm. about OG having a bit of a return to the mean. But uh, certainly, one or two of those threes drops, they win this game. One or two of Jakob Pertl's free throws down the stretch goes in. They have a better misses. shot of winning this game. Yeah. Fred Van Vliet, I thought, made some just like kind of uncharacteristic boneheaded turnovers and decisions, which I, I just I don't usually associate with Fred Van Vliet. He's normally very smart. He has the nickname Steady Freddy for a reason. Five turnovers in this one, some kind of unforced errors. Um, you know, there was one, like, at, at a point in the game where it was screaming for just someone to settle things down. I think this was in the first half. Uh, you know, it was kind of this like back and forth pong match as opposed to a basketball game. And Fred, instead of, you know, he gets the ball kind of in a scramble, instead of just kind of slowing things down, he tries to throw like a, a touchdown pass to Chris yeah, Boucher. To Boucher. Yeah, yeah, yeah directly into the arms of a defender. Yeah. Um, he also yeah, had just... a couple of drives where he got stripped and he wanted yeah. to foul. So he, got, he kept yelling, I got hit on the hand. I mean, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they got 39 free throws in this game. I don't think you can really complain about the whistle. Fred went no. to the line 12 times. No, exactly. Um, you just you can't miss 10 free throws. You can't go 7 of 34 in a game against a team like the Pacers that thrives and really their whole lifeblood is, can our guards get these threes up? And they did in this game. And yeah, I thought the defense was particularly concerning. I, I want to save the Jakob Pertle stuff yeah. Uh, for the second segment, I think, because I, I think there's kind of a bigger interesting question to be talking about there. Um, but I, I guess back to the, the guys not in the lineup, Barnes, Gary, Achua. Okay. I mean, where did you feel the absence of those guys the most? Obviously, you should still beat the Pacers without Tyrese Halliburton, but it is a little bit more explainable considering their fourth best player in this game was probably Malachi Flynn. The depth has been an issue all season long. I don't think it changes anything we've learned about this team since Yak arrived that they lost this game without those three guys. But of those three, who did you feel they could have used the most? I would probably lean to Gary just because he's the best shooter of the three mm-hmm. and they shot so bad from three, which yeah. brings me to a question of what did you think of Will Barton in this game? Because, I mean, he got all the looks you could ask for, and now he's shooting 19% from three as a Raptor. Is this like the Raptor curse? Are we like the anti-shooting coach or something? Because this is a guy <laughs> who's been in the upper 30s for pretty much most of his career, most of his Denver career. Even in Washington, before he got cut, he was shooting, what, 37% from three? But, yeah, yeah he's getting he's getting a lot of looks. I started looking at his – um, I thought maybe he was – 
he, his shot kind of changed a little bit because I thought he was like veering right, but then I looked at some of his Washington shots and he was doing mm-hmm. the same thing. So that's not an issue. So I, you're I, a I true really... hero going back and looking at Washington Wizards Will Barton tape, man. Uh, a... I mean, just a couple, just a couple. <laughs> Just, just grinding. Well, got your no. takes on uh, Corey Kispert. You want to sprinkle in from, well, from your watching no, of well, the Wizards? <laughs> I was just watching him yesterday, and yeah. um, I'm used to him because I'm also a Nuggets fan. So I've seen Will Barton for years. And I'm just like mm-hmm. I'm never like I'm not used to him shooting this bat. So mm-hmm. you know he has sometimes he goes straight up, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, but yeah, I was just I was trying to find a reason as to why he's missing so many wide open threes. Um, I mean, Nick Nurse brought it up after the game. He didn't single him out or anything, but he was just basically saying that, you know, they're generating good looks and he just has to get on his feet under him and, and knock them down. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was his opportunity to – I mean, he's already he already kind of has a role. I know people have wanted to see Jeff Doughton. He only played six minutes yesterday. He could have played more minutes. But that mm-hmm. was kind of Barton's role to kind of like – staple himself if you will to mm-hmm. the rotation because i mean nurse can take him out at any moment especially if he's having games like this but yeah you needed one of those to fall and none of them fell and then eventually nurse had to go to somebody else yeah i mean that was a shot right to sort of carve out uh, i think right. a more regular role for the last nine games and, and i do think he probably cost himself some minutes Definitely. uh with what happened here i, I think for me it, it just as far as like what we're seeing, he wasn't very good with Washington this season, right? Like, yes, no. the three point percentage was what thirty eight percent. He had seven point one attempts a, a game in a pretty limited run. He was getting them up. He's getting them up just as regularly, if not more regularly now, which is good. I mean, it's good to have the happy trigger finger, but maybe he just doesn't have it anymore. Like he was by all accounts by all the advanced metrics one of the worst rotation players in all of basketball with the wizards yeah. there's a reason he became available as a buyout right. guy in the late part of the season if and he was I, better, I think he'd still I be think, there i think yeah. a lot of that was defensively too because yeah at, a couple years ago he was uh you know labeled as a, a decent a pretty good defender like above average defender but that's really mm-hmm. fallen off over the last couple of years and then now the raptors has apparently have a guy who can't shoot or defend so it's kind of like what do you do yeah and i mean i think i probably just would have started chris boucher in his place i know you want to have some potency off the bench but also like you're up against the pacers just play your five best available players and see if you can run them off the floor early as opposed to what happened Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't all will barton's fault necessarily although one or two of those threes go in and again like the margins in this game were so slim they were it was right there the raptors have no one to blame but themselves for losing this game because it was just in their palms, a million. I tweeted this last night. You can't be mad if you walk by the last cookie on the counter ten times, not taking it, and your wife takes it. You can't be mad about that. That you have to now eat like a moldy pear. Uh, you should have taken the cookie when you had the damn chance. They did not do that. I want to talk on the other side about Jakob Pertl and I, I, why I thought this was maybe the first game that illuminated some of the potential concerns with building a team around a Jakob Pertl starting center situation. I'm not ultimately worried, but I do think there's some stuff they're going to have to game plan around, and we'll get into that in just one second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Ultimate Basketball G. 
And you're going to love this game. If you're someone like me who loves to just be a GM in a sports game as just like a fun pastime, if you're the type of person who plays a sports game and sims through the game so you can get to the offseason, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is for you. You can manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. And you're responsible for it all. Hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft, and all the ups and downs of a season. And it's in a challenging and realistic game world as well. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM completely is free and playable on well, offline, play on the go as you want and when you want to. And you can join little leagues. We have a league right now with the Locked On hosts who are having a great time with it. Although Pat, the designer from Locked On Bulls, who's been on this show before, keeps on just destroying all of us. It's a really hard time. He's got a bit of a dynasty going in our Locked On League. So congrats to Pat on that. If you want to be the Pat, the, the, the designer of your friend group playing Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, you can go do it right now. Locked On Raptors listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in the game store. So go check it out. Download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com scan the code on the screen or look up in the app stores and find it that's probasketballgm.com ultimate pro basketball gm start your dynasty today all right we continue on here with your first listen of the day digging into the raptors lost to the pacers with jamar hines of raptors republic the recap king they call him <laughs> over there really? at rr no, that's what i call you we'll okay. get people to, we, we, we'll, we'll get like a crown made for you if you want uh like the burger king but like better uh <laughs> i think there's something here um yakub Pertle, i want to talk about him because you know on the surface pretty good game for him overall 23 points uh, eight boards, he goes 10 of 12 from the field and was the lifeblood of their offense for long stretches of this game. Just three players in double figures for the Raptors, all three of them over 20. Uh, Yak was one of them, and obviously they were, they're, they're a better team when he's on the floor. There's, there's no question about this just in the grand scheme of things. However, this game I did think you kind of saw a bit of the dark underbelly and some of the realities that come in with Yak Pertle, who's not a perfect player, right? And no one's a perfect player outside of like, Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid and Giannis like everyone's got their their issues to you gotta you gotta scheme around it and Jakob Pertl's no different and I thought this game really illuminated some of the stuff that they're gonna have to figure out when it comes to Yak and I think it brought into focus the importance of a couple of guys as well kind of developing along a track that can help you augment what Jakob Pertl does Miles Turner is an interesting matchup for him, Jamar. Um, we've seen this against shooting bigs since Yak arrived, where they've had to kind of get creative against the Wizards. For example, they closed small with Chris Stapps Porzingis out there, as opposed to having Yak hang out with him in the corner. Against the Nuggets, they had Yak guard Aaron Gordon in the corner and not guard Nikola Jokic, so he wasn't getting pulled out. And there's a reason for that. When Yakup Pirtle gets pulled up to the level of the screen, it's kind of like pulling on a loose shoelace. It all kind of comes undone for the Raptors' defense. There's no backline rim protection whatsoever. It all just kind of seems to come unspooled. And that's not Yak's fault necessarily. That's like the game plan. That's that's the, the scheme they're running. But I thought in this game, specifically in the first half, they were bringing him up to the level of the screen a ton because Miles Turner obviously is a great pick-and-pop threat. You have to be mindful of that. And it just left them so barren on the back end, especially with no Scotty Barnes, who's been, of course, a really good help side rim protector at times this season. And uh, no Precious Achua, obviously, available to, to slide in in those sort of uh, help roles either off the bench. And they just got, get, just got murdered by a run of dudes just kind of walking into layups. And 
they changed this up a little bit in the second half. They they switched a little bit more often. They had, uh, you know, a couple times they would sort of allow Yak to drop back and kind of have Boucher rotate over from the wing to deal with the pick-and-pop threat from Miles Turner to try to contain him there while also having Yak back in the position where he's best succeeding. And Yak had a pretty good game, all told, just like defending at the rim, had two blocks, I thought was a great imposing presence when he was there. But when you pull him out, it gets tricky. And we also saw a couple times switched on to Ben Matherin and Andrew Nemhard. He just didn't really have it to hang with those dudes. I pulled from the advanced matchup stats here, Jamar. Uh, Andrew Nemhard in 10 or 11 partial possessions guarded by Jakob Pertl over just like a minute and a half. The Pacers scored 21 points on those possessions. Four points, three assists for Nemhard, and, uh, you know, two of three uh, on field goals as well. It just... I think you saw there's the limitation there with Jakob Pertl when it comes to when another team is going to try to pull him out, they have to scheme around that. And no pressures to Chua to come in and kind of be more of a switchable defender. Uh, Christian Coloco not quite ready for that stuff. Those two guys, I think, will be their counters to that down the line. But thoughts on what we saw from Yak defensively in this game. And it's not even, again, so much about Yak. It's about his importance to the team close to the rim and how it kind of gets a little bit hairy when he's pulled a little bit further away. Uh, this is an interesting take because I have to admit, I didn't really notice that, but now that you've explained it in detail, I, I get it. And uh, that was probably a big reason why Nemhard had so many easy lanes early in the game where mm. Jakob was, was high and he would just drive by whoever was guarding him. I, I sometimes a couple of times it was Siakam, but yeah, uh with no Scotty there who could help on the weak side, that's actually a, a really good observation. I gotta uh pay attention to that in, in, in future games. But yeah, overall Yak did have a a pretty good game. Um he was one of the rare Raptors that could actually finish yeah. <laughs> at the rim because uh, I, I think the Raptors were 13 for 26 at the rim in the first half, which is horrible. They had a bunch of transition uh, opportunities that went absolutely nowhere. But, yeah, that's actually a really good observation. Like I said, I, I, I never really took in because that Wizards game, you, the Wizards game you mentioned where, you know, Porzingis brought him out, I actually missed that game, so I didn't get to mm. see that. So that's, that's interesting because when you look at Turner's baskets – like most of them were just rolling to the rim and yeah. Nemhard would find them. But you're talking about, you're not talking about those. You're talking about just, you know, them strategically bringing Yak out so that they can get to the basket easier. And, you know, and yeah. the Raptors tried to close that up by switching, as you said, early in the second half. But yeah, that's, that's something I need to pay attention to. It was an issue, I think, that, you know, again, Turner had a, a nice game, six of nine. Um, yeah. I don't even think it was necessarily Turner who did the most damage because of this little wrinkle. I, I right. think it was mostly Nemhard and Matherin who who kind of were the benefactors here. And I think TJ McConnell as well. God, TJ McConnell's so freaking annoying. It's <laughs> unbelievable, man. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just something to know. And ultimately, like... I think Yak Apertle should be on the Raptors long term. He rocks. Yeah. I'm having a great time watching Yak. Um, but I do think sort of the big takeaway here is he probably can't be your third best player, uh, which he doesn't have to be most of the time. But last night, the circumstances dictated it as such. You also get him going three of nine from the line, and that is just a, yeah. a big bummer. It's part of the deal. But they're going to have to, I think, 
have contingency plans in place if you know teams are hacking him down in, in late in the stretch of games or a center is pulling him out they're going to have to have backup plans and again I think that kind of brings into focus the importance of Precious Achua kind of getting back on track whenever he's back this season or next because um, we know he can be a, a switchable across every position guy and make you a little bit less prone to your big man kind of getting pulled away from the rim and all of that um, and, and Christian Coloco, I think we've seen, he's got some great mobility as well, and he can probably, I think, track from far away from the rim back to the rim quicker than Yak can just because he's got those crazy long strides and his arms go for days, and so we can kind of cover a little bit more ground. We've seen him, you know, send a double at half court and get all the way back to the rim for a block a couple times this season. Like, that dude's pretty mobile, and so, like, they'll, they'll have things they can use to counter these sort of weaknesses in Yak's game. It's just harder when you don't have your available guys to implement all of those strategic changes and you're just kind of rolling with what you got. So, um, you know, part of it's the situation, part of it's the limitations of Yak. I don't think it's ultimately that big a deal. I do want to ask you, though, we talked about Miles Turner a lot uh, Mm -hmm. going into the trade deadline, the previous 14 trade deadlines. That's just (laughs) what you do with Miles Turner. If you were to give Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster truth serum and just ask, would you rather have Yakup Pirtle or Miles Turner on your team? Who do you think they would say, given truth serum? I think they would take Turner. Yeah. I think it's close. Okay. I don't I ultimately think they're they're pretty similar players impact wise. They get there differently, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of a question of do you prefer Yak's passing versus Turner's shooting? shooting. And maybe the shooting is the answer, but I do think Yak's passing as like a vehicle to get this offense humming has been really valuable, and I don't think you'd be getting that from right. Miles Turner. So right. I, I, I think it's probably close to a wash, but it's interesting. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we'll never know the answer unless we can get some truth serum into the coffee of Masai and Bobby. I don't know if I uh, have, have, have that... Uh, that, that that planned out just yet, but it's a uh, it's interesting, and yeah, th- ultimately, Yak's awesome. They're just gonna, I think, have to account for the fact that in some matchups, it's, it's not gonna be it be be it for him, and that's okay. Um, we're gonna come back on the other side, get into the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out the episode. Before we do that, however, gotta tell you, better friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The NCAA men's and women's tournaments are heating up. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. You just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drained. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. That's super fun. You get a couple of players maybe you have your eye on in a tournament game, maybe some NBA prospects that you want to go and lay some props down on. You can do that in that same game parlay. Don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, continue on here with your first listen of the day. Rounding it out with the good, the bad, and the hmm. The way we round out every single Raptors recap episode here on Locked On Raptors. A thing we liked, a thing we didn't like, and a thing that's got us a little bit interested going forward from the game. We'll start with the good. Jamar, what you got? Oh, this one's easy for me. Uh, This is the first time uh, that three Canadians have started on Hell the yeah. NBA team. So yeah, I'm not going I'm not going to the Raptors for good. I'm going to the Pacers for good. And all of them, O'Shea, Matherin, and um 
Um, obviously, Nemhard, all of them had a good game. Uh, Matherin and Brissett both had some spectacular plays. You saw Matherin's chase down on OG in the first half. That was a vicious block. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yeah, it gets dunked on every now and then. And he caught it again on off the inbound. <laughs> it's o- because O'Shea. he tries. He's like Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Who... Who got a poster of his own by Donovan Mitchell just a couple days ago. There should be a reverse dunk contest where all the guys who get dunked on the most because they try to block dunks the most just have to get dunked on for sport. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be maybe the way to save the dunk contest. But yeah, uh, O'Shea's dunk on on Yak was pretty nice. Uh, What a stupid tech, by the way. I was just about to bring bring that up because you tweeted about it. But you know. It's like what he stared. He he looked at him. I don't even need all. He looked at him. He kind of looked. He to looked the in side. the general direction, direction in a somewhat right? menacing way. And yeah, uh, whatever, God, man. Yeah, it was bizarre. whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, and then obviously Nemhard was just a killer all game long. So yeah, it was really cool to see that you know homecoming for all. Well, not Matherin, but the other two, mm-hmm. and it's just. Yeah, every year, and Fred and Boucher talked about it a little bit. You know, Fred, a little bit salty. It was like, we shouldn't be as welcoming to to Canadians. Cause, <laughs> you know, Should obviously. be a lot meaner. Yeah. yeah, just, you know, just, you know, joking, obviously. But Ice it's their just, families out of tickets, that type of stuff. <laughs> but it's just cool to see every year you're seeing Canadians come up. And remember, Nemhard was a second-round pick, probably because yeah. he was a four-year guy. You know how four-year guys get treated in the draft. So, mm-hmm. you know. He's been one of the steals of the draft, if not the steal of the draft. So it's it was just it was cool to see them up close. I mean, basically, Indiana is like Canada's team, I guess, because they have so <laughs> many Canadians on the team. So yeah, I think it's probably got to be OKC more, just because Shea is amazing and Dort's also there. That's true. Um, even Canada though- East. I don't love rooting for OKC because of Sam Presti being a pick hoarding weirdo. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Nuggets have Jamal Murray. That's also very cool. You should maybe root for him. But anyway, we don't need to get into that. Uh, on the topic of four-year uh, college point guards who end up being pretty good players, boy, oh boy, I don't know what the draft situation is going to be for the Raptors. I have yet to dive into draft tape or anything like that. Um, but if they could find themselves a four-year veteran point guard to come in and be their backup point guard, I would be all right with that. That said, one of my goods, I got two goods, is Malachi Flynn, a multi-year point guard in college who has not quite panned out, but a nice game from him last night. I think it's worth shouting out. Uh, really good defense, I thought, on McConnell mm-hmm. and Nemhard in spots. They brought him in to close because of that defense and the three-point shooting. He was two of four from deep. Always shot ready, Malachi Flynn. You can say a lot of things about him, but he is always ready to get his looks up. Uh, I thought it was a, a nice showing from him. Will we see him again if they're fully healthy? Probably not, but... Uh, Maybe that Will Barton spot in the rotation is up for grabs because Will Barton ain't grabbing it necessarily. Uh, my other good was Pascal. I-, I thought, you know, tough to lose a game in which he kind of does what he did. 14 fourth quarter points, I think it was. Uh, and just like, I thought a very gritty effort from him for a guy who is not moving very well, it seems. Uh, he kind of seems like he's dragging ass a little bit. His handle seems a little bit wobbly and loose. He even had like a spin move that kind of malfunctioned and he couldn't quite turn the corner around a guy. Um, but still found his way to 31, 10, and 7 on 11 of 17 shooting because Pascal Siakam is very good. Once they realized in the second half, oh, no one on this Pacers team can guard him one on one, 
it was kind of over and uh, wanted to shout him out there because it's been a bit of a hard go of late for Pascal, but I thought he was awesome in this game, and it's a shame they lost that effort from him. Let's go to the bad, shall we? What you got for your bad? Okay, so I have a couple pointers. Okay, I already mentioned. I already mentioned the finishing was not great. I I, I hate watching the Raptors in transition because it's yeah. like they don't know how to make that pass to get an easier basket. It's just, I think it was actually, for example, the play that OG got swatted on by Matherin. Pascal was a little bit ahead of him, but it's mm-hmm. like I could see OG was thinking about getting it to Pascal, but he didn't know how, so he just mm-hmm. took it himself. And then he got swatted. And then you've seen this with Precious. You've seen this with Boucher, where it's just like the pass is there, but they don't make it. And yeah, yeah so it, just finishing at the rim in general, it, even in half court, was terrible. But the transition ones where you think, okay, you have a two on one, you should get a basket here. It just doesn't happen. The other issue I had was obviously Pascal had a great game. And this is, isn't really on Pascal, it was more. Strategic scheme, mm-hmm. I don't know, but there were a few possessions in the first uh, first half, and Alvin Williams actually pointed this out as well, where Siakam was on the perimeter and he was being guarded by a McConnell, a Nemhard, and this was at a point where the Raptors were kind of struggling offensively, mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. that's a mismatch you need to take advantage of, and the Raptors are normally a mismatch haunting type of team. But I felt like they did a poor job of this in the first half, where it's just Siakam only had six points in the first half. I think he took six shots. And I just felt like there were more opportunities to get the ball in a better place mm-hmm. so that, you know, he could he could score. Obviously, he had a great second half, 25 uh, second half points. I think you mentioned he had 14 in the fourth. But I just felt like there were a few wasted possessions in the first half where he was being guarded by a point guard and the Raptors didn't identify that. Yeah, for sure. That that was um, troublesome, not, to, to say the least. And I'm glad they figured it out eventually. But maybe they uh, win this game. Again, the margins. Two extra possessions where Pascal realizes, oh, I can eat this dude for lunch. And the team gets out of his way. I, you know, they, they probably win this game. Very frustrating stuff. Let's get to the, uh, or my bad, I suppose. I We've talked about it. Will Barton's my bad. I, it's just, it's, he's not good right now. He's very bad. And it would be a bit cool if he was better. Let's go to the hmm. Uh, what you got for your hmm? Jeez, I'm going to let you go first because okay. I kind of lost it. <laughs> That's all right. I'm just going to use this as my chance to check it on the play-in situation. And my hmm, the question I'm asking here is, does anybody actually want this? Uh, does anybody want the eighth seed? As the Hawks lost last night on a back-to-back to the Wolves uh, by one point. So, hey, good effort there, Hawks. Uh, you've got the uh, Bulls. DeMar DeRozan got hurt last night, which uh, is uh, hopefully DeMar's okay, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. And uh, the idea of a Raptors-Bulls play-in game, as much as it Oof. sounds uh, like torment, also sounds kind of fun and cool, even if it will clearly end on DeMar pump-faking Scotty Barnes into oblivion for clutch time free throws to end it or something like that. Um, anyway, that... that uh, the it's status quo they lose this game they lose no ground on the eighth seed with the hawks the bulls losing the pacers are two games back yes they have the tiebreaker but i don't know if the pacers really got the juice here to pull this one to the end the wizards are completely flailing it seems like it's down to the hawks bulls and wizards for that eight seed and it does feel like the heat are going to pass the nets as well that eight seed super valuable man i don't know what to say you might get an easier opponent because the bulls are playing very well right now the hawks have you know high star star power 
The Nets don't have those things. They're just fine. Uh, and you also only have to win one game if you get that 7-8 against the Nets. That is uh, very, very important. I hope they can uh, pull their crap together and get themselves to the eighth seed here, man. Uh, what was your hmm? Uh, first, just playing off what you said. Yeah. Uh, I believe when you come to the playing picture, I believe Miami's going to catch Brooklyn, which is what you want if yeah. you're any I don't of these play teams. Miami in a one-off. Yeah. God no. Yeah, you don't want to see Bam and Jimmy Butler be doing Jimmy Butler playoff type. No, you don't want that. You I want just don't want to see zone to defense uh, for ninety <laughs> percent. That too. Yeah, that would be a, a problem for the Raptors, but. Yeah, like I an think... art basketball game from the Heat being like, what if we only played zone in this one-off elimination game? What if we really went full Syracuse? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm admittedly a little bit surprised that Brooklyn's kept it together a little bit. I thought they were going to start free-falling when they made mm. the, 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 the KD and, and Kyrie trades, but they're still hanging on to a playoff spot. But I think they're eventually going to lose that. And then that's going to be the team that probably goes from 7C to not in the playoffs altogether. So yeah. that would be the spot. So, you know, perfect world. Raptors catch Atlanta. They're eighth. They play Brooklyn for seventh. They beat Brooklyn. They're the seventh seed. That's a perfect world. But the Raptors keep losing these opportunities to catch Atlanta. By the yeah. way, Atlanta's uh, on a stretch where I feel like, what is their record right now? They're one game under 500, I want to They are say. 36 and 37, one game ahead of the Raptors. They have this crazy stretch where... I feel like it's been over 20 games in a row where they're either been 500 or one game under 500. Like they oh, yeah. win one, lose one, win one, lose one. I think it's actually a record how long they've been doing this. It's 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 crazy. But in a team full of teams that are in a league full of teams that are mid, uh, they might be the middest of all the teams. <laughs> midest. That's a new word. But and and yeah, you brought up the Bulls. If you're a DeMar DeRozan fan and he is my favorite Raptor, I feel like that's like the nightmare scenario for uh, a, a Raptors <laughs> slash DeMar fan where it's like, okay. <laughs> so I don't want to see that. That's I kind of maybe maybe the, it's like a win-win though. If you're the kind of person who wants better lottery odds, maybe you get that nine ten game. If you love Demar and Demar sinks you in that game, you get into the lottery. Maybe you get a shot to move up, and also you got to see Demar do a cool thing like uh, on your okay. ass. Maybe I think uh, I think Demar would love to do that. Going back to the even, it's happening. The, the trade. If yeah, they he, play he them in that he nine ten, and he's healthy. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> but you know what's going to happen, right? The Raptors are just going to trap the absolute hell out of him, and Levine's going to go off for like 40 points. I love how Cause... predictable the Raptors' downfall is. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> That's what they always do with DeMar. They just trap the hell out of him and let somebody else go off. Uh-huh, but yeah, uh-huh. uh, to my hmm, – um, okay. The Raptors, and I've brought this up before in a previous show about how I was concerned about their fourth-quarter offense. Mm-hmm. And since February 10th, they have the third worst point differential in the fourth quarter. It's actually insane. It's like first quarter to here, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. It's like mm-hmm. you could obviously point at the bench for that. Uh, but this game, they actually were a plus one in the fourth, but it's so misleading because they had so many opportunities, as we've mentioned, to win this game. And then Boucher made a three at the buzzer. So it went from yeah. minus two to plus one. So I love that <laughs> stat padding. I'm not sure if it ruined any spreads. I Probably not because the Raptors would have been favored anyway. But uh, I hope someone's gambling got messed up or uh, benefited greatly from that Boucher three. Because that was, uh, yeah, ultimate stat pattern, net rating saver, all that good stuff. But yeah, I just continue to monitor this. Uh, the three, uh, they, they don't. They have a tendency to miss 
the, the open three, the momentum three, and late in the fourth, they eat that shot. They tend to miss that. Uh, you know, Pascal hasn't been great in the I, again. This says this is not really from this game. I'm just talking in general. Sure. Like down the stretch, he hasn't he hasn't been great offensively finishing games. So it's just something I just continue to monitor the fourth quarter offense. And this this game, the the killer was all the all the damn free throws they miss. So it it feels like it's always something down the stretch of fourth quarters where either they're up by double digits and all of a sudden it becomes a one point game or they're in the mix and they find a way to lose. It's happened about at least 10 times this season. So it's just something I continue to monitor. The basketball team that will drive us all to insanity, your 2023 (laughs) Toronto Raptors. Uh, Jamar, you're not going to drive anyone to insanity because you're the best, dude. Thanks for hopping on the show. Anything you can promote for the good people out there, please do right now. I have my recap on this game on Raptors Republic right now. Uh, my Twitter handle, JamarBH. Um, there's a link to all my Raptors Republic work there. Uh, a little bit quiet stretch for me because I've been doing a lot of March Madness stuff for TSN. But mm. I am going to be doing a, a preview and a recap of a couple of Raptors games next week. So look out for that. Hell yeah. Everyone go support Jamar. Jamar's best. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Find the show on Instagram. Locked on Raptors. Go give it a follow. Please, please, please. Uh, you can subscribe to the Locked on Raptors YouTube channel and all the podcast app feeds as well. Whatever you prefer. Leave a rating. Leave a review on the apps that allow you to do that. It always helps. Boosts the algorithm. Makes me feel better about myself, etc., etc. We'll be back again tomorrow. Uh, TBD on the subject. Uh, it might do a mailbag, actually because it's going to be just me. Yeah, get your mailbag questions in. I'll put a little prompt in the email, uh, in the comments here, so you can leave your mailbag questions underneath. Send them in on Twitter. Send them in on Instagram, baby. Uh, And we will leave it there. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Leafs, as the Buds continue their push towards the playoffs. They're going to host that first-round series against Tampa. So much dread. So much dread. And Mike and Dave over at Locked on Leafs will help you sort through the dread uh, associated with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs. Also, Locked on Blue Jays starting up very soon as well with new host Craig Ballard. So keep an eye out there as Locked on Jays will be up and running in time for the new baseball season, which starts like a week from today, which is very, very exciting. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you Friday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.